So we have been working our way through some of the chapters in Proverbs. And of course, Proverbs was written by King Solomon, much of them. Um, and a lot of the Proverbs throughout several chapters of them have random thoughts with them. All very good thoughts and very focused thoughts, but sometimes it's one verse or two verses. And we've been focusing on those, picking out out of some chapters, grabbing a few verses and talking about them. So it gives us a chance to switch gears back and forth and back and forth as we look at these things. Um, and as we picked out a few random uh, Proverbs that we go through. So first we're going to go into Proverbs chapter number 18. Proverbs chapter 18. As we start out, uh, we'll begin at the first verse. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 18, the first verse. Through desire, a man having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. A fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. So I want you to first think about a tree. All right, a tree that grows in the woods. And the important thing about trees, if you've ever paid attention to trees, is if they grow too close to another tree, they get either stunted or affected by that other tree. Okay? So I have a couple trees in my front yard. They're maple trees, and they grew about six, seven feet apart. And they look like a big, beautiful crown together. But if I cut one of them down, the other half will look like it's gone and stripped. And that's what happens when they get too close together. It affects the other trees. The root system come and it gives competition for those trees. And those trees have to struggle and it takes away from it if it's too close now, distance is good, okay? And that's what this proverb starts to say. Distance is good. Just like a tree, a human being sometimes need a little distance. Distance in a couple different ways. Now, it says there, Through desire a man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. So if you want to have wisdom in your life, then sometimes you'll need to separate, okay? And be intentional about, uh, intentional about separating. And what do I mean by separating, right? Separate out from something, okay? Separate out from sometimes other people. And in that, you mean, what it means is you need to take some time to focus on God. Personal time. Time where there's no one else around. And some of you have a tough time doing that. Whichever end of life you're on, okay, or sometimes in the middle, there's a lot of distractions in your life, in your household. Things that take you away. 
okay? And it's good, and you need to get some time alone with God. And sometimes the only spot you have is the bathroom, okay? <laughs> That's it. Lock the door. I don't know. <laughs> Keep the people away, right? So put something in your bathroom, whether it be a book or a uh, daily bread or whatever it is, that if you get those moments, take those moments. Think about the time that you have. Get a little separation. A car ride somewhere where it's just you. Whether that, if that's all you struggle for on your way to work, get those separate times where you can focus on God. So be separate to focus on God, and that brings wisdom. Just like that tree, separation allows, if you put a tree out in the middle of a field, it can grow all the way around. It can grow to its full potential. Out in the sunshine, it gets all the sunshine, all the rain. It's not competing for other things with, uh, with those things close around them. Also, in separation, it is important to separate yourself from other distractions, okay? So be separate from people sometimes, get alone time, and then be separate from distractions. Now, sometimes those are people in our life, and sometimes they are what we have filled our life with. Every one of us is guilty at times. Me probably uh, as much as anybody else, whether it's the TV or the radio or the phone or the computer or whatever it is. We fill our lives with little things. Lots of them. They may not be bad little things. Or they could be. But those little things are sometimes we have to push away from that intentionally. and Separate ourselves out from those things. Because those things compete for resources. Just like the tree that's next to something else, another tree, the other tree sucks away the moisture. So it can't grow as, as big as it could if it was out alone. So if you can separate yourself out from those distractions, whatever they are for yourself, separate yourself out, that brings wisdom. And it brings a flourishing in your life that will never happen if you allow those little things to fritter away your time. Okay? So separation is an important thing. But that second verse says, that was a wise person, right? Separated himself. Wants to learn, seeks after God. That second verse, a fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. The fool on the other side. This was your wise person. The fool is not interested in learning about God. Just not interested. They're not interested in making themselves better, in seeking God out, in trying to find Him, in getting alone. What they're interested in is making their heart known. In other words, I'm going to tell you everything I think. I'm going to talk to you about everything I've ever thought about. I'm going to make sure that I get everything out to you and talk to you about everything. Right? Instead of 
saying, boy, I don't really know the answer for that, but let's go to God. It's like, I've been through it. I know. And what they say is that's, that is foolish to say, got all the answers. I already know it. And I'll tell you all about all my wisdom. That's not a wise person says, let's go to God. Let's get alone with God. Let's look. All right. Verse number four. The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. How are my words? That's, that's always gets us. To me, what can I say to other people? My words. I have a hand-dug well at my house, and it goes only about 12 feet down where it's hand-dug, and then it's limestone. And then they punched a hole in that limestone right there. It's just a big square thing. It has the freshest, cleanest water, and it's wonderful. It comes right out of the rock. And there's nothing more thirst-quenching than good water. And that's what this is saying here. There is deep, clean, fresh water. That's what words can be like. It's words can be refreshing to other people. They can rebuild other people. But they have to be spoken in wise ways and careful ways. Lots of times we let everything just roll out of our mouth. Whatever comes across my brain, out it comes, right? It just happens. Just said it. I had to say it. No, you didn't. You can wait. And be wise with your words and build people up. Because it is also true that those words can tear people down. All right? Make sure that your words are life-giving to people. That they build people up. Verse number 8 is that opposite. The words of a tail-bearer are as wounds. And they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. The opposite is those people who tell tales. Now that's kind of a nice way to say people who gossip, people who talk about other people behind their backs, right? Talk about other people behind their backs. That is the type of things that tear people down. It's not only just tear people down, it says it is a deep wound. There's nothing hurts so bad as bad, mean, mean words that are said to somebody. And they hurt sometimes for a long, long time. Sometimes. Yep. You talk about somebody, you talk about those people, or you say something mean to those people, and that cuts people for a long time. So what are we doing with our words? If we're thoughtless with how we use our words each day, Solomon says, then you are going to cut them down. You're going to wound them inside, and it's like an internal wound. 
Somebody can be bleeding inside, deep part of their belly, and walking around, and you can't see it from the outside. And that's what words will do. Words that are not carefully chosen. They will cut them deep down inside, so deep that sometimes you'll never get rid of it in your whole life. You carry that scar or that wound inside, and you can look at the person and you can't tell that they were wounded. But it affects who they are and what they become. Your words you have to be careful with. Could what you say injure somebody else? Let that, let that run across your brain before it comes out your mouth. Solomon says, be careful. Verse number 9. He that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Kids all like sloths now. I don't know. They're everywhere. And the pictures of everything. And I don't know if you've ever seen a real sloth or on television you've seen a sloth. A sloth moves so slowly and they don't even have enough muscle when they get to the ground to lift themselves up. They literally just hang and kind of go from branch to branch and they can swim just because it doesn't take as much effort to swim. That's why they can swim. But other than that, they can't walk on the ground. They literally move slowly and don't accomplish much in their whole life. So when they say that's a sloth, you being slothful means you don't do much. Or another word we use for it is lazy. If you are lazy in your life, and you're slow at your work, he says that is just like being a time waster. You could say, well, I'm not lazy, I work hard. But are we wasting time in our life? Do we let other things, like back a couple of verses where we talked about those distractions, do we let those things in our life fill up our time? And I'm not saying you can't watch TV, you can't go on the computer. I I don't care. All I'm just saying is if it's a distraction, if it takes away, if it eats your time up so there's nothing left and it's easy to get on the computer and start to search for something and have not just minutes pass, even hours pass. And we have habits. They're very easy habits. So the question is, and you start to think about this each year as you get older, hopefully you start to think about these things. Well, I've only got so much time left. How much time is that? I don't know. You might have more time than me. I don't know. But what do I want to accomplish in my life before it's over? If you can start to think about what you want to be, who you want to have touched, the things you want to do in your life before you get wasting time, it gets you thinking, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I can get something else accomplished. Not just busy work, 
but something that God really wants you to do. What is it that God has called you to do? What is it that he's called me to do? You ask those questions and keep on thinking, let's not be a sloth and let's not be uh, that person who's wasting time. Because he says those are the same thing. They're brothers. They come together. Verse number 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it and is safe. I remember naming our children several years back now. We picked names. We agonized over names. We bought books full of names trying to figure out what the right name is. And we'd look thousands and thousands. I mean, we had bought, I think we bought a book with 10,000 names in it. And we said, ah, I don't like those. We bought one with 25,000 names. And I don't know. Then I bought one with 100,000 names in there. And I think we came out with like two or three that we liked out of that whole book. And one of the... One of our children was born, and we had picked out names we thought we really liked. And we looked at that kid and said, that's not the name for that kid. That doesn't even look like it. And so we renamed that kid. And I won't even tell you who it is, because it doesn't matter, right? But the idea is that there is something in a name. We spend a lot of time thinking about names. We spend a lot of time saying, what does it, my name mean? Okay? We pick those names out for those kids because we try to pick just the right one that might affect or uh, put them in that good spot in their life or that might mean something to them. It says the name of the Lord is something special. Something unique. It's a strong tower. Well, what's the name of the Lord? There's a lot of names that God has. The names of the Lord, God's been given many of them. Wonderful, Counselor, right? Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Jesus. God saves. God who provides. The Judge. Friend. A husband, a master, king of kings, and lots of other names. You could do whole studies on the names of God. And the question is, do you pay attention to all of those names? Or is he kind of one-sided to you? If you go to the name of the Lord, it's a strong tower. And why is it a strong tower? Because any situation... If you have anxiety in your life, you can go to the Prince of Peace, and he is there for you. He fills you with what you need. If you have fears, if you have joy, you can go to the groom, right? The husband, and know. If you are in a worshipful mood, you go to the King of Kings. If you're in a sorrowful mood, you go to the Man of Sorrows. Because God knows the human experience. And so he said, I am everything to you. Go to the name of the Lord, and it's a strong tower. It's a place to run. It is a place of refuge. So God's name is refuge to you. God's name is a refuge 
because he is everything. So learning to trust him not just in one way, but in all ways, right? To trust him with every part of our life, from our finances to our home to our children to schooling and education and jobs and all of the things in between that affect our life, go to him for each part. That's the name of the Lord. And you will find it has a tower there. Protection and vision. Build a tower so you can see, right? Vision to see what's coming your way. Vision to see a little bit into the future, to be a little more wise. To say, I'll, I'll be careful about doing that. All right? So go to God, his name. And he will bless you. Verse number 14, chapter 18, verse 14. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? Then we're going to skip on to verse number 19, because these are kind of tied together. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and their contentions are like the bars of a castle. If you have ever seen the broken spirit of a child, that is a sad thing. And what is it when someone has a broken spirit? It's not that they've been disciplined and they're sad about it, but it's when they give up. right? When they don't think anyone really loves them. That's when a spirit is broken. You can discipline a child in love and teach them and help them to grow, and they will know that you did it for love because you love them. But I have seen where that is not the case, and that child gets to a point where they think they are alone, and no one cares. And something inside of them breaks. And when that happens, there is very little that can be done except God himself can touch. But the spirit of a man, verse 14, the spirit of a man will sustain his his infirmity, but a wounded spirit who can bear. In other words, if that person knows that they're loved, that inner spirit then they can go through almost anything. But if they give up, if that spirit is broken, no one can make it through. It's really important. It's an important part. So we have to be careful how we treat others. When we do things, our words, the actions that we have, the way that we think about our life. And verse number 19 was that brother or a person that's offended is harder to be won than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle. In other words, if you have offended somebody, if you have really wounded somebody with something you did or said, the walls go up. And then try to get back to them. And that's hard. It's like rock, stone walls, and iron bars. They might be there, 
but they are inaccessible to you because of what you said or what you did. So first of all, be aware, right? Be really aware of what you say and what you do, how you treat those around you. How do you treat those around you? Because it could be you with careless words or thoughtless things you do that starts to build a wall around somebody else. And that's not what we're here to do. God wants us to go and touch people around us, to affect people. Our relationships are the key part of why we're here. Right? We're here to have relationships with others, to bring others to the Lord and say, he's got the answers. But you can't do that if there's rock walls all around and iron bars. So be aware. Verse number 22. Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. <clears throat> a wife is a blessing from the Lord. That's the truth. Not every day is sunshine. And that's the truth, too. (laughs) But that doesn't mean it's not a blessing from God. Sometimes our blessings are things that we learn. So what do we do with that? We thank God for her. This is for the guys out there. Not that the women can't be thankful for their husbands as well. But we thank God for her, help her, appreciate her. It is hard to be thankful and loving and patient when you're busy. To demonstrate your love. It's the hardest thing to do. When everything pulls you away... And all the distractions of life and work. And you work all day long and you're exhausted. And maybe you come home and the kids drag the last five ounces of energy you have out of you. And then you're supposed to be thankful because she's not happy either. Right? How are you supposed to be thankful for that? Because God gave you those blessings. And you have to switch your thoughts. Not about how is that person supposed to help me because she's a blessing. You go and help her. You do your best to help her and be thankful. Learn who she is. Take time to be grateful because she is a gift from the Lord. And that's the truth. Learn how to treat her like a gift. Verse number 23 The poor useth entreaties, but the rich answereth roughly. This one is a simple one. Basically, if you don't have any money, you can't treat people mean. Right? (laughs) That's kind of what that says. If you don't have money, you don't have any options to treat people mean. You have to treat people nicely because you're going to need them. Now, people that have lots of money think that they don't have to treat people nicely. But it's not true either. Right? They think they can pay their way out or do things. 
But in the end, no one can treat anybody meanly, whether you have money or don't. But the idea is this. You don't have options. I don't see a lot of millionaires sitting around here. So probably nobody has too many options other than to treat those people around you carefully. Treat them nicely. Verse number 24, we finish up. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You heard that phrase, blood is thicker than water. Now, family is important, and it means a lot. But I think that deep, abiding friendship with someone that loves the Lord it says, can even be more than family. If you find that good friend, a friend that will not betray you, a friend that sticks next to you, even when you're doing something dumb and says, very kindly and nicely, you're doing something dumb. Right? That's a good friend. Don't do this. That's what a good friend is, just says plainly but kindly, I'm with you, but don't do this anymore. Change direction on this. I've never seen all in one place a greater group of friends than we have in this wall, right in here in these walls. There's a lot of really good friends within these walls. Some are grouped together, uh, some have friends for everybody. But there are people in this walls that would do anything for you. That is a great blessing from God. Don't miss it. It's a special gift from God. Don't miss those things. Take time to be grateful and help those people out. Be a friend to those around. That's how Solomon ends this up. Friendship is important. Relationships are important. He knows it because he messed a lot of relationships up in his life. Right? He knows it. I don't think he, uh, he had a thousand wives. Right? That's a lot. And he said, it's really, it's really important to know and appreciate it. And I'm guessing he just didn't probably appreciate very many of them. And then he learned lessons the hard way. And it gave him wisdom in his life. He had relationships with many different people. And he probably learned in a lot of tough ways, maybe I should learn to treat people better. And so there's a big focus in our lives of what makes this go around is having the Lord in our relationships and treating each other with kindness and friendship, happiness, goodness, and being appreciative for those around us. So thank you very much and have a good day.